So good evening. Looking like we're playing musical chairs up here, I know. We're just trying to find the right energetic balance to our sitting. So uh, what I thought that I'd uh, speak to this evening, similarly to something that Winnie said last night, I really believe that um, it's useful to begin and be reminded of the foundational components of the practice and the retreat. So although we took the precepts and the refuges last night, and when he did speak a little bit to it, I'd actually like to offer some reflections about taking refuge and take a deeper dive because the actuality is that it's can be a a really important part of practice. And it's interesting um, to me that on retreat and when the Buddha was teaching with his disciples, basically one of the first things they did was to take refuge and the precepts. So bringing in right at the beginning this connection to faith and knowing and creating the container for practice and understanding to arise from. So just taking a little bit deeper dive tonight. So when I uh, came on Monday, I noticed on the board, I don't know which one of the teachers it was that might have spoke to this. For those of you who were there here for part one, um, and for those of you who are just arriving like myself, I looked on the board and I saw that there was a morning prayer from Joseph Goldstein's book, Mindfulness, up on the board. And it actually is very reflective of what I'm pointing to in terms of this being a prayer that um, I guess Joseph must say every morning. I take refuge in the Buddha and the awakened mind. I take refuge in the Dharma and the noble path. I take refuge in the Sangha of realized beings. By the merit of generosity and the other paramitas, May my heart and mind be purified of all defilements, and may I quickly attain liberation for the welfare and benefit of all beings. So he's saying that every day, you know, and and I I liken it, those of you who are married or in long-term partnerships, I think will understand this. Like every day I have to choose to be married. Like it's not a hard choice, fortunately for me, But it is a choice I make every day that then determines much of my actions throughout that day. So taking refuge in relationship to the practice is a similar kind of thing. You don't take it just once and then it unfolds. It's something to remember to do every day. From Listening to the Heart uh, by Tanisara and Kitasaro. The Buddha laid out the three refuges as trustworthy sources of inspiration. The first is the Buddha, the awakened one, which we align with internally by cultivating awareness, the one who knows. The second refuge, the Dharma, are those teachings from the Blessed One that guide us back into harmony with the way things are. 
the true nature which is always revealing itself moment to moment. The third refuge, the Sangha. The Buddha realizing that we cannot do this work alone because we get lost, overwhelmed, confused, trapped, discouraged, etc. Association with people of integrity, wise and compassionate beings, remind us of the way, inspire us to begin again, and encourages us to persevere. And lastly, from uh, Guy Armstrong, his book on emptiness. As we rest in empty knowing, we see all the changing phenomena come and go. We do not need to follow them because we are anchoring beyond change. This resting feels like a big relief and is deeply satisfying in a way that pleasurable sense experiences are not. Its peace leads to a great unburdening of the heart. We have found a reliable refuge, the most reliable refuge. And what are we taking refuge in? In things just the way they are. The empty cognizance illuminating appearance we are taking the fundamental nature of reality as the unsurpassable ultimate refuge. Understanding the interdependency and conditional nature of all things is essential to awakening. When we set the intention to be skillful and reflect on our choices and their results, we open to a very rich area of inquiry that can produce ongoing positive effects in our lives. It's probably fair to say that for many of us, we come to this practice of meditation out of a need to understand ourselves and the need to clarify the confusion we live in. Many of us want to be free. We want to understand. We want to realize, to see for ourselves what it is all about. What does it mean to take refuge? A refuge is a condition of being safe or sheltered from danger, pursuit, or trouble. A refuge is a place of shelter and protection, especially in a storm or in challenging times. By taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, we acknowledge our vulnerability to the winds of fortune, to the truth of aging, sickness, and death. We remember there is a safe harbor and this path of practice that sustains and nourishes us. One of the typical feelings that the word refuge can evoke is that of home. We may each have a different definition of home. And whether we come from healthy homes or not, we know for ourselves what it takes to create a home for our hearts and minds now. Maya Angelou. The ache for home lies in all of us, the safe place where we can go as we are and not be questioned. Then there's faith. 
faith, devotion, and confidence are all translations of the Pali word sada. All of these terms refer to that feeling that opens the mind and heart to what is beyond our usual ego concerns and desires. Sada opens us to what is greater than ourselves, to the possibility of freedom. Faith becomes our initial inspiration to practice and explore and what sustains our continuing efforts. Joseph Goldstein from One Dharma, faith is not a choice we make. It is an understanding. In finding refuge, Martin Luther King Jr., Viktor Frankl, Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Joan of Arc, Harriet Tubman, who was a mover of the Underground Railroad, Ta-Nehisi Coates, Tarana Burke, who was founder of the Me Too movement, and many others of our current day writers, artists, educators, and activists, some known, some not, live their lives and are living their lives leaving the legacies they left or are making to exist, to end injustice, to survive devastating conditions, to move mountains, to move a nation, had to have faith in a greater purpose for themselves and all beings. To make it through this life, we need to each find our sense of purpose, to orient and support ourselves amidst the fragmented pulls of our busy lives, and the chaos, devastation, hatred, and destruction that seems to be continually escalating. I think for many of us, the ability to remain deluded to the fact that there is much challenge and crisis afoot is no longer an option. And to meet this world as it is and where it is, whether ourselves, the individual, in relationship to our own small worlds, or the larger community of beings, including the earth. We must have some survival tools that actually allow us to thrive and be a contribution to others. We can begin here by taking refuge. Refuge offers support for our journey as we move through the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows of a lifetime, through gain and loss, through peace and chaos. In taking refuge, we reaffirm and remember our sacred connection with all beings, including ourselves. Refuge is not necessarily religious. Refuge can be as simple as making conscious our trust in a lineage of teachings. We may take refuge in a higher power, such as AA or other 12-step programs, where it's been shown that such faith has proven to be transformative for thousands of people around the world. Much of the success of 12-step programs and other support groups rests on faith and in the power of their sangha, the conscious community that is created. We thrive with faith. Our faith may be spiritual or clearly non-religious, a faith in the natural world, in the unborn generations ahead, 
in life itself. To live wisely, we need to find a trusting connection to the world. Taking refuge reorients our life. Our refuge becomes a touchstone, a wellspring to draw from at every challenge we face. In this tradition, we include in our training taking refuge. In Buddhism, taking refuge is the door we walk through as we engage, integrate, and metabolize the words and the practice on our journey to freedom. An examination into where do we find ourselves looking for a safe place, a sanctuary. Where do we find that? And do we really? What do we rely on? Most often this brings us to the realization and recognition that we may have been resting or relying on something or someone that was not really true at all. Where might we be taking refuge? In relationships, with food, with work, with money, having it, having enough of it, or not having it, depression, the physical body. This practice is not here to perpetuate our suffering. We only suffer because we have not practiced wisely, because we have not done what is necessary to let go of ignorance, to let go of our attachments. It is important to acknowledge that perhaps it is false perception that because we are practicing, we must be terribly serious and feel that unless we experience some pain or hardship, that somehow something is not quite right. It seems we really believe that unless we go through some kind of hardship, we would not be able to let go. It is true that more often than not, unless it hurts, our ignorance is not acknowledged. If it does not hurt, we can go on forever without being really aware of it and hurting ourselves and making deeper and deeper habit patterns. This seems to be our human predicament. Unless something hurts, we don't really wake up. We don't open our eyes and look. So whether once or often or every day, to recite the refuges as a reminder of our habit, we take refuge in things like anger, like worry. We can tend to take refuge in self-pity or pleasure, distraction, obsession with ourselves, or wanting to eat or sleep when we're not hungry or tired, and then take refuge in feeling guilty about eating or sleeping. We have a habitualized tendency to take refuge in the non-skillful things, these things that make us unhappy. If we did not have reminders, if we did not have skillful means to bring back into consciousness with what's really important in life, we would forget ourselves and never see the way out of suffering. 
Going for refuge is an act by which we acknowledge the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha as guiding ideals. Taking refuge is the invocation of spiritual practice. The spiritual truths are not out there somewhere in a book, in a talk, on a video. Not something you sign on for. It is intrinsically in us. Closer than we have allowed ourselves to know prior to taking on these practices. We forget. We don't really listen. We don't remember to listen. There is so much about this path that at its core is about forgetting and remembering. Remembering, it is the nature of things. What a gift and a benefit for you all to have these three months or these six weeks. The opportunity to see one's mind, to discover the habit patterns that cause us suffering and delusion. The act of going for refuge marks the point where you commit yourself to taking the Dharma as the primary guide for living one's life, which I would assume most everyone in here has done. Taking relief from internal and external dangers, one becomes committed to living in line with the principle that actions based on skillful intentions lead to happiness and actions based on unskillful intentions lead to suffering. Although the tradition of going to refuge is an ancient practice, it is still relevant for our practices today. We are faced with the same internal dangers that faced people in the Buddha's time. We still need the same protection as they did. When we take refuge, it is essentially an act of taking refuge in the doctrine of karma. It is an act of surrender in that one is committed to aligning the life that is lived with the principles and understanding of karma or cause and effect. To take refuge in this way ultimately means to take refuge in the quality of our intentions, for that is where the essence of karma lies. They go to many a refuge, to mountains, forests, parks, trees, and shrines, people threatened with danger. That's not the secure refuge. That's not the highest refuge. That's not the refuge having gone to which you gain release from all suffering and stress. But when, having gone for refuge to the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, you see with right discernment the Four Noble Truths, stress, the cause of stress, the transcending of stress, and the Noble Eightfold Path, the way to the stilling of stress, that's the secure refuge. That's the highest refuge. That is the refuge, having gone to, 
which you gain release from all suffering and stress from the Dhammapada. There are a number of ways to help us remember meditation, collective rituals, studying, being in nature, reconnecting with a sense of spirit and aliveness, engaging with sangha or community. In this tradition, the first step in taking us towards remembering who we really are is the taking of refuge. Refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. The three refuges which are also referred to as the triple jewels or gems. They are called this because they are valuable and because in those ancient times gems were thought to have protective powers. These gems do create, through practice, the protective powers against greed, aversion, and delusion. A person taking refuge in the Buddha is not asking for the Buddha to personally intervene to provide protection. Still, one of the Buddha's central teachings is that human life is fraught with dangers. Dangers from greed, anger, and delusion. And so, the concept of refuge is central to the path of practice. The practice is aimed at gaining release from those dangers because the mind is the source both of the dangers and of the release. There is a need for two levels of refuge external refuge, which provide models and guidelines so that we can identify which qualities in the mind lead to danger and which to release, and internal qualities. For example, the qualities leading to release that we develop in our mind in imitation of those external models. The internal level is where true refuge is found. On the internal level, the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha are the skillful qualities we develop in our own minds and hearts in imitation of the external models. From In the Buddha's Words, a little passage. The Buddha said to Anatapendika, in the past, householder, there was a Brahmin named Velama. He gave such a great alms offering as this, 84,000 bowls of gold filled with silver, 84,000 bowls of silver filled with gold, 84,000 bronze bowls filled with bullion, 84,000 elephants, chariots, milk cows, maidens, and couches, many millions of fine cloths and indescribable amounts of food, drink, ointment, and bedding. As great as the Brahmin Velama's alms offering was, and though one would feed a hundred Pacheka Buddhas, it would be even more fruitful 
if one would feed a single, perfectly enlightened Buddha. It would be even more fruitful if one would feed the Sangha of monks headed by the Buddha and build a monastery for the sake of the Sangha of the Four Quarters. It would be even more fruitful if, with a trusting mind, one would go for refuge to the Buddha, to the Dhamma, and the Sangha, and would undertake the five precepts. The Buddha was a person of wisdom, purity, and compassion. When we develop wisdom, purity, and compassion in our own minds, they form our refuge on an internal level. The Buddha tasted awakening by developing conviction, persistence, mindfulness, concentration, and discernment. When we develop these same qualities to the point of attaining awakening too, that awakening is our ultimate refuge. This is the point where the three aspects of the triple gems becomes one, beyond the reach of greed, anger, and delusion, and thus totally secure. Traditionally, there are three levels of Buddhist refuge, outer, inner, and innermost. On the outer level, we take refuge in the historical Buddha, a remarkable wise human being who pointed the way to inner freedom, who found the way through his lived experience, trusting in the belief that he did awaken to the truth and that he did this by developing qualities that we too can develop and that the truths to which he awoke provide a best perspective for the conduct of our lives. We take refuge in the Dharma, the teachings, the teachings of generosity, compassion, and wisdom that bring freedom. The Dharma, the path of practice the Buddha taught his followers, the words of the teaching, the act of putting the teachings into practice, and the attainment of awakening as a result of that practice. This three-pointed understanding of the word Dharma actually acts as a map directing us on how to take the external refuge and make them internal by learning about the teachings, using them to develop the qualities that the Buddha himself used to attain awakening. We take refuge in the Sangha, in the Buddhist community of awakened beings, this outer refuge connects us to tradition and to millions of followers of the Buddha's path. There are two senses of this external level of Sangha. The historical ancestral lineage of the community of monks and nuns and lay people who have practiced the Dharma and who have gained a glimpse of the freedom that is available. And the communities of monks and nuns and lay people who, though may not have been the most reliable models in behavior, have helped keep the teachings alive for more than 2,500 years. So when looking for guidance in the conduct of our lives, we must look for the living examples provided by the ideal Sangha. Taking the inner refuge, the Buddha, 
Taking the inner refuge, we shift from the historical Buddha to the Buddha nature in all beings. We take refuge in the potential for awakening in everyone we meet. The inner refuge of the Dharma shifts from the outer teachings to the inner truth, to seeing things the way they are. We commit ourselves to follow the truth and live in accord with it. The inner Sangha shifts from the Buddhist community to all beings dedicated to awakening. We take refuge in this stream. Taking the innermost refuge in the Buddha. Here we take refuge in the timeless consciousness and the ultimate taste of freedom. As Ajahn Chah explains, we take refuge in the Buddha, but what is this Buddha? When we see with the eye of wisdom, we know that the Buddha is timeless, unborn, unrelated to any body, any history, any place. Buddha is the ground of all being, the realization of the truth of the unmoving mind. The Buddha was not enlightened in India, in fact, was never enlightened, was never born, and never died. This timeless Buddha is our true home, our abiding place. Taking refuge within the Buddha keeps us in touch with what is real, what is actually true. The meaning of mindfulness is recollection, to remember. We can remember every time we get lost in being silly or in being unkind or impatient or in being angry or stupid. We can also remember that we don't have to change ourselves. The compassion of the Buddha nature refuge is that in being awake to what is happening, there is no judgment. We don't have to become somebody who is not angry or who is not silly. We can acknowledge what is happening and accept it in consciousness and in our hearts. Taking refuge in the innermost Dharma, we rest in the eternal freedom. Zen ancestor Huang Po's words proclaim, Your true nature is something never lost to you, even in moments of delusion, nor is it gained at the moment of enlightenment. It is the nature of your own mind, the source of all things. Your original luminous brilliance. You the richest person in the world have been going around laboring and begging when all the while the treasure you seek is within you. It is who you are. To be in touch with the ordinariness of our life is something very challenging, very challenging for us because we are conditioned towards getting our energy through things that are interesting or stimulating, or we focus our attention on the next thing, on what's going to happen next. Unless we have guidance and help from wise people, from people who have an understanding of the path, 
we tend to do our spiritual practice in the same way as we live our lives. We are still looking for the excitement, for something special, for the big bang, for the flashing lights, for the super insights that are going to solve all my problems. With the practice, there is a change in our relationship with our mind. Being in harmony with Dharma is making peace with whatever is going on now, with the way things are. The natural process of the realization of Dhamma is the awareness that life is a constant opportunity to give, to be generous, to be kind, to be in service in whatever situation we are in. As we let go or let be, we don't get caught up and obsessed with ourselves. We can be useful. We can help. We can give. We can encourage ourselves and the people around us. Taking refuge in the innermost Sangha is to claim the ultimate trust. There has been the knowing of this in and over time by those who are awakened. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke of this when he said, We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. We cannot fail or be separated from this truth of interconnectedness. Once, when the Buddha's beloved attendant enthusiastically praised friendship with admirable beings as half of the holy life, the Buddha reproved him, Say not so, Ananda, say not so. Friendship with admirable beings is the whole of the holy life. Through association with the wise, we hear the teachings that liberate us. We see the examples that remind us of our potential. And as the Buddha taught, we abandon what is unskillful and develop what is skillful. The ritual of taking refuge can transform our consciousness. When we take refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, all things become our teacher. Life itself is our teacher. And there comes the realization and proclamation that there is one true nature of which we are all a part. In closing, the emergence and blossoming of understanding, love, and intelligence has nothing to do with any tradition, no matter how ancient or impressive. 
It has nothing to do with time. It happens completely on its own when a human being questions, wonders, listens, and looks without getting stuck in fear, pleasure, and pain. When self-concern is quiet, in abeyance, heaven and earth are open. The mystery, the essence of all life is not separate from the silent openness of simple listening. Tony Parker, meditator, teacher, and founder of Springwater Center. From the Dhammapada. But when someone going for refuge to the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha sees with right insight the Four Noble Truths, suffering, the arising of suffering, the overcoming of suffering, and the Eightfold Path, then this, this is the secure refuge. This is the supreme refuge. By going to such a refuge, one is released from all suffering. Thank you for your listening. Let's sit for a moment.